This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a product of the... Are you ready, Chris? I'm ready. CBS Sports Podcast Network. Hmm. Did some driving over the weekend, had some podcasts on. That seemed to be the one. I might have missed the memo. I was going to say, did we get downgraded back down from Paramount Plus Podcast Network? or? I have a ViacomCBS.com email address. <laughs> I have no idea who pays me, or why for that matter, but I don't know who pays me. As long as you get paid, I suppose. Segway. Yes? West Virginia football. Perfect segue. Yes. We are not going to do a mailbag this week or a Q&A. It's an open week. No football game on Friday, but excuse me, Saturday. But it's also not a regular open week, so we're going to change things up a little bit here. You have solicited ideas from the audience on the VIP side. VIP may be a worthwhile investment before long. That's all I'll say in the matter. No mailbag. Q&A with a twist here. It's not going to be necessarily questions, but as you have sold this to me, we're going to let the people who ask the questions provide the solutions here. And then we're going to weigh in with our two pennies. Is that the gist of it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think uh, it's safe to say that everybody reads our message board and mm-hmm. I mean, capital P people, um, other people in our market literally read our message board and then write a story about what is on our message board. So I figure if, if our competition, if you want to call them that, can write stories about what's on our message board, I guess we can talk about what's on our message board. I think that's safe to say. Um, and, and people keep an eye on it, so might as well. And and I felt like a good topic was something, um, not, not because I asked a good question, but it, it led to a lot of discussion. I posited to our VIP members to provide a solution because it's easy. Anybody can say, they suck. Fire everybody. Everybody's bad. Like, But just screaming that there's a problem doesn't solve the problem. So I pushed for our members to provide some solutions, uh, whether it be scheme changes, personnel changes, position changes, whatever it was, to provide some solutions for us and give their reasoning why. And I, I was a little worried because, as you can imagine, with the way things have gone so far this season, mm-hmm. not everybody is uh, uh, really thrilled to just have casual conversation or critical conversation or provide nuance to the discussion. Um, I, I was a little worried it was going to get off track rather quickly. Instead, a lot of great answers, a lot of uh, stuff that I agree with, a couple things that I hadn't thought of that made me say, hmm. And and that was what led me to believe that, hey, maybe you and I should discuss this on the podcast and talk about some of these proposed solutions, whether we think they would work or whether we even think they're feasible. So what do you think? I like it. I am. I'm always hesitant about 
kicking that stuff to me though. So I'm glad you gave it to somebody else because I just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like the capital J journalist in me. Um, but like opinions and, and, and saying why someone should or shouldn't have a job that, that for a long, long time was difficult, but I always kind of like just deferred to coaches because I really like I, when I was, I don't know, getting into reporting and beat writing, I was around some really good coaches who knew what they were doing. And I, I think that's just defaulted that they knew what they were doing and, and, and that they were right. And that I was just kind of like, yeah, maybe I should mimic them. Maybe I should think that what I hear from them is the truth or how it should be. But man, I say this a lot too. You have to use your eyes on these things. Right. Um, and like when you look around and you see things that don't make sense and it doesn't happen, for another school or in another conference or sometimes even in another sport. Um, sometimes the problems are parallel that like, you know, what might not work in basketball? Hey, we can't press. Well, maybe you should be playing man to man defense in your secondary too. one of those things, you know, so like, don't do what you can't ask your players to do. So um, I guess my point is that I'm glad that the, uh, the 500 pound anvil is off my back here and I won't be there heavy. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll let the, uh, our, our VIP members take the blunt of the brain, uh, blunt brunt brunt of the blame here you know mm-hmm. that sounds better um uh if somebody capital s somebody's get upset with with the discussion going on here because again i thought there were some good ideas in here some some very somewhat cordial discussions about what should happen and 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 some ideas and nothing crazy again like i asked everybody to kind of keep it chill don't just say player x is terrible get him off the roster he shouldn't even be on a power five program um because there was a lot of that during games, after games, but this was this was a much better discussion. So, um, which side of the ball would you like to begin on, Michael? Special teams. Amazingly, I think the only special teams comment I saw in there was because you know there have been some calls to get Preston Fox back there, punt returner, which they already did this past game, but to just kick the ball out of the end zone and not think any more about kickoffs. Um, I, I guess, let, I mean, I know you were joking about starting on special teams, but what serious question here are, are, is Parker Grothaus? Cause we know that he can more often than not kick it in the end zone or out of the end zone. Are they being taught, coached, schemed to kick short in these situations? Yeah. It'd be great if you could actually interview the special teams coordinator it would. or the kick or the kicker. Or if you could ask for either one of them. So can't give you an answer there. Um, if you ask Brown, you're going to get a um, a coordinated response about the opponent, the wind, all that stuff, too. So I don't know what to tell you there. You've seen him do it. That means he can probably do it. Um, there are people – again, th- this always blows my mind, Chris, about about the kickoff return concept. Is that like the NCAA for a while, like they, they had serious conversations about outlawing it because of the injury potential. And they've made a bunch of rule changes like the two-man wedge and all that stuff. You know, they made rule changes to keep people from running down there and just detonating a play by running into it. So it's a dangerous play so much so they thought about getting rid of it. And yet you have coaches saying like, wait a minute, maybe we can get a first down at the 23 instead of the 25. If we work really, really hard and really, really long at this, perhaps we can save three yards of field position. Why? Right. Like that. Just, yeah. That just kind of blows my mind about this. A lot of thinking goes into it. And again, if you listen to Neil Brown's press conference on Tuesday. The most depth he gave about changes they have to make and things they are going to work on 
was like a response to a question about the kickoff return. Where is kickoff return or punt return on your list of red flags for this team? But that mm-hmm. seems to get a lot of the detail and a lot of the attention. If not, if not in in conception when they sit down in their meeting rooms and everything, then at least an explanation publicly. And um, this is coming from me. <laughs> All right, but special teams is not the grenade in their hand right now. No, it is not. It would be pretty far down the list. But I'm with you. I think what what is the um whether you're kicking off or whether you're returning it. What it what, what's going to what is the more likely scenario of a return for a touchdown or a return say past midfield or a fumble uh you know you you fumble you muff the kickoff return um i mean both instances are rather small like you know the chances of either one of those things happening so for me i would just say screw it and kick it into the end zone if i was kicking off if i was returning it i'd just say screw it let it go in the end zone i'll take it at the 25 like both ways i think You'd just rather start it at the 25 and get it over with. Yeah, that's fine. And again, <laughs> like, like, look at what happened at the end of the first half. They they had this whole coordinated thing about they're so worried about their kickoff return unit, okay, that they decided to squib it with 13 seconds left in the half. I understand their defense isn't good and their secondary is sieve, but like if they kick that ball and it gets returned to like, I don't know, let's say like the 35, um, you still got a lot of work to do with like seven seconds left. They squibbed it it hit the up back it got recovered at the 46 and like they they really had a, a chance to use timeouts to get a field goal they ended up throwing it into the end zone and almost catching it on a hail mary and like i, I don't know what i would have done Chris. <laughs> it's like it's been a while since we freaked out about end of half <laughs> stuff and things but like i was watching that thinking like boy this is like a real reversion to to what they had been and, and like here we are like just the fixation upon a special teams thing and and and, and anecdotal i guess of, of larger problems with planning and organization and everything and maybe that's why they got a timeout after a kickoff i don't know but like i guess my point is that like a lot of a lot of decisions and a lot of plans are being called into question and they either haven't worked or why would you put this in motion i'm not sure but i also assume we're going to get to a lot of that with the the actual intent of this episode here yeah let's move on to uh to offense i think we've given special teams their due there um some of the suggestions, again, some of these are repeats, so I'm sorry if I'm not calling out everybody's name here uh, from the message board with their ideas. But one of the first ones I noticed, and it, and it seems um, very re- relevant considering this just happened last game, but Michael Laughlin out, I think it was, what, six snaps before he got hurt, done for the rest of the game. Neil Brown says on Tuesday that you know he's going to get checked out, didn't really have an update on whether or not he was out long term. Um, certainly didn't look good, but, uh, one of the suggestions and was repeated by others again was if Michael Laughlin is out, then consider putting in an extra offensive lineman on short yardage or some rundowns. If it's a pass down, put in a fifth uh, or another receiver, a bigger receiver, maybe even somebody like Preston Fox, Mike, your thoughts on, I got, is this just an indictment of the rest of the tight end group as a whole or do you think there just needs to be some more movement there? Some other ideas. Where was Nick Malone? Right, he was. He used to be the goal line tight quote tight end, right? Yeah, and they and I asked Brown about this. He talked about it, but he said that once Olaka went out, they're planning to use twelve personnel went south. They had Traylon Davis. Um, they're not traveling with Victor Wickstrom, so it's three tight ends. And if you're playing twelve personnel and one of your tight ends is injury prone and your other one has had issues, actually your other two have had issues. So you have three, and you don't know if you're going to make it through. 
healthy or competent the rest of the way, that's a really thin number to travel with. And if you're going with five quarterbacks and, and some other positions that maybe are a little bit more plump, then you, you start to ask questions. Well, they went with 10 offensive linemen. They used six in the game. They used two more on special teams, and one was Malone. And all you got to do is give him a different jersey number. And and he doesn't have to worry about reporting eligible or anything like that, I don't believe. But like he can just go in there and be an extra offensive lineman. And he done he did that before, short yarded stuff. And if you're if your whole game plan blows up because you don't have a tight end, and suddenly like and this is what I asked him too, the way Texas played, they played even front and they put like an edge defender who wasn't getting in the backfield making TFLs, but was like stopping plays quick, two, three yards, running up the line of the scrimmage. And they they did some stuff, I think, in the second half, maybe with like split zone or whatever to kind of cut that off a little bit. Um but like they didn't have a plan there, even though they had the personnel. And it just strikes me as odd that they 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 condition a lot of stuff. Like they go over a whole bunch of situations. When I say condition is like if this happens, if they're in this condition, then they have a backup plan. They have a plan B or a C. Like we've heard this before, we've seen this before. They're very detailed. And I guess they just didn't do that, and that surprised me. So if you're gonna travel with offensive linemen, or if you're gonna go heavy at one position, like quarterback, and you're gonna rely on versatility. For example, Leighton Bechtel travels, and apparently he's their backup long snapper. He's the third punter that travels, right? But he's their backup long snapper. So guys who can do different things, and Malone's one of them. You know, he can play guard and tackle, but he can also play tight end. Can someone else play tight end if they have to, or do you just kind of wad up that part of the game plan and throw it in the garbage? I don't know. That's That seems strange to me, that you got totally derailed there when you might have had a solution, and maybe that won't happen to them again in the future. We'll see. I'm going to tie this into the next part of this because um, – there were a lot of suggestions about playing other wide receivers, and even Neil Brown touched on that on Tuesday, saying that some of those guys that are backups need to get reps. Um, so I am all in on, I don't want to say completely abandoning the tight end position, but yeah, going Nick Ballone for more run blocking, short yardage kind of things, and even some, I don't want to say trick plays, but he, he's capable of you know, getting those short yardage passes, but also, again, go with it because in Graham Harrell's offense, it's not called a tight end. It's just an H receiver. When you mm-hmm. look at the depth chart and you were talking about who's in front of who and who's in front of where, uh, Brian Palendi and Michael Laughlin are competing with, at least according to the positions as labeled by the school, Reese Smith and Grayson, Grayson Malashevich for snaps. You know, they're all H receivers. Those are the people that they're competing against. So if Laughlin is out, Palendi is not producing um, right now. You know, he was always known as a blocking tight end, but we heard all spring and all summer about how he's catching the ball now. Uh, heard. I am I am looking here. This looks like a an O or a, or a zero next to the reception mark. Yeah, yeah, zero receptions through five games, um, three targets. Um, that's not good. Um, Looking further at the blocking that he's supposed to be a specialist at, 31.0 pass blocking grade right here from Pro Football Focus. That's not great. And if O'Laughlin's out, Traylon Davis, we've seen him for just a handful of snaps. He you know, had a rough couple snaps in those first couple games. I had some key penalties, a big drop. Uh, yeah, go with go with Reese Smith. Go with I know Preston Fox is supposed to be playing, you know, behind Bryce Ford Wheaton or maybe behind Caden Prather. Try him in there. Like you got to get some more options in there. And this is kind of a two birds with one stone kind of ideal. You, you fix, quote unquote, this this H position by giving reps to guys who are being a little more productive. 
And you also get more receivers out there who are going to be hopefully more reliable at catching the ball. Because as I laid out in the post game uh, after Texas, you know, you go back and you look at the drop percentage and the drop rate for guys like Sam James and Bryce Ford Whedon. They've been tops, tops or bottoms, however you want to look at it. The worst in the Big 12, among the worst in the Big 12, for this is the fourth year in a row for both of them. Mm. It says 2019, 2020, 2021. All three years, they have been among the worst in drops in the entire conference. So obviously there's good that comes with it, some very, very good at times. But it comes with bad, too. So you need to have some more options out there. And I think this would you know, solve that if you had these other guys out there. Again, something else suggested by a lot of people on the board about getting other guys in. Aaron, Bram, uh, and Smith. And, and again, Pro, uh, Fox has heard his name called a few times as well. Oh, man. Uh, they're, they're gonna There's a lot barn- there. Sorry. <laughs> they're they're going to get barnstormed if they go with 10 personnel or, or empty sets. They just are. Um, and, yeah. and like a problem now that to think about too is they're not going to have CJ Donaldson for a while, and he is, I would say, inarguably their best blitz pickup in the backfield. Um, so that that protection, that cause for an extra blocker back there, I think is something that does get heightened too. And I just they they lost a tight end in the transfer portal that people didn't think was a very big very big deal. I kind of thought they they you don't give away guys like that or lose guys like that. They're not the most viable players, but they do have value because they can do things here and. Um, they did not trade up with the transfer portal on this one. I think that's probably, to me, that's fair to say, I think. But is the other guy lighting it up at Akron? No. I uh, haven't heard a lot of TJ Banks highlights on on the news or whatever, but like that's a guy who knew the system and, and was a pretty good blocker last year, I thought. And Would he be the third or fourth guy this year? Maybe, but look what they need now. They need a third or fourth guy. We're talking about using a, a seventh, eighth offensive lineman to play tight end right now. It's, that's the situation you're in, and you try to protect your assets like that as best as you can. Any thoughts on the uh, receiver rotation? Because I mean, it, Neil Brown even brought it up again today. What, how many did he say drops on Tuesday? Uh, seven. Six, seven. Okay. Because yeah, PFF said two, and I remember during the game, yeah. I think I called out four or five, like on the first four drives. So seven seems more realistic. I would just any any thoughts on that rotation? How they can improve that? Because again, I think uh, Prather and the Prather and Bryce Ford Wheaton are playing about. 80% of the snaps, something like that. I'll look it up while I'll look it up while you talk here for a second. The only other option, like the 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 you know break glass in case of emergency guy, would be Jarrell Williams, and I don't think that that's a guy they want to play right now. Can he play four games? Sure, but would you do it now? Probably not. I just don't know why you don't play play press and box. That that's your next best answer. He can give you some inside stuff, and maybe you can you don't you don't have to rely so much on Aaron and Bram in the situation. If he can play in the slot for you, whether that's going to be the Y or the H, and he can, then, you know, you can put Aaron outside and you can spell Prather and Wheaton. You can put Fox inside. You could put Sam James outside and spell Wheaton and Prather. So, like, there's different ways to do this because they have some multiple people. Like, Fox can play all four. He could definitely play inside. Uh, we saw him play outside and make a number of plays in the spring. James can obviously play inside and outside. Um, that gives you a chance to rest those guys because Fox can play their positions, but also he, Fox can play and they can bump Aaron outside. They could bump James outside and you're kind of giving your outside guys a spell. Um, th- there's ways to do it. They just don't have a lot of numbers there too. And they, they really need to hit on Aaron and or Bram. Aaron's had some, some small flashes. He's gotten open a few times and just hasn't been targeted. 
not entirely his fault, but there's probably not a great rapport there. They're really without answers, though. That's the problem. Like, they have kind of who they have, and I just don't think it makes sense to rush Darrell Williams in there right now because what's the expectation for him? To play six snaps and maybe get targeted once? I don't I don't think so. Actually, he can only play three more games, right? Yeah. So it's interesting that we're talking about this right now and not having depth because I'm, I'm writing a story for later this week about the transfers in, transfers out, and, I mean, it, it shouldn't shock anybody that it's uh, – I think we – I don't want to include you in this. I'm going to include – uh, some West Virginia fans and myself here because I, I talked myself into it and I think I discussed it on the board about how, hey, maybe, you know, as far as three, four years total, things were worse off. But for a one year thing, maybe West Virginia did just fine in the portal. Example, you know, Daryl Porter's out. That's three years of, of good quality talent that could be improving and be like all conference in a year or two. But, hey, you got Wesley McCormick for a year, so it's fine for 2022. Um, that was bad take, uh, at least so far. But wide receiver, I, it hadn't even crossed my mind, really. I mean, I knew I knew it, but I lost three receivers who were starters, semi-starters, and got no one in the portal. None. Mm-hmm. Um, now again, we're relying on junior college guys. I think that was the kind of replacement instead of a transfer option, uh, with Aaron and Bram, but no transfer additions at wide receiver. And and here we are four games in the season and they're looking for answers. They're looking for depth. Uh, Neil Brown said, said on Tuesday, you know, Hey, got to find depth there. Got to find other guys that can contribute. And right now doesn't seem like they feel confident in what they have at that position, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, finding depth, I think, means that they're going to have to create openings for who they have. They're, they're not going to play more people. They might, I mean, are, they're not going to get, they just aren't going to give Reese Smith more snaps. Like we've seen that. He may be worthy of it, but they just haven't found a way to use him. And then Fox, same thing. Like Fox hasn't even gotten in the field. They think they're going to pour snaps into him. It's going to be small stuff where they're just there to give uh, give guys a break. Um, they, they played James and Fort Wheaton a ton through the years, and, and they're putting a lot on Prather right now. It just seems to be the way this offensive staff wants to roll. And it's different coaches, too. So you're, you're kind of narrowing down who is making that decision of playing fewer receivers. And again, yeah. this was intentional by them because they, they weren't too upset. And this might have been their pitch or their response to the, the attack or the criticism. But they lost these receivers. And it was like, well, it's not a bad thing because it's fewer mouths to feed. It's fewer people to keep happy. And that sounds great. And then the, the season happens and you have to kind of at least live up to that. And that, that really hasn't happened. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And I'm I'm looking at the numbers right now, not counting the Towson game, and looking to see where they are, you know, percentage-wise, percentage of snaps. And Bryce Ford Wheaton, 90% of West Virginia's offensive snaps outside of Towson. Sam James, 82%. Caden Prather, 71%. And then uh, the next highest is Reese Smith at about only 36%. So it's really those those first three. And that's about it, because, I mean, even after Smith, there's an even even bigger 
drop off to Bram and Aaron, who are closer to like 10%, yeah, 81 minus 35. So not, not a whole lot. Yeah. 10, 12% for Bram and Aaron. Um, and everyone else kind of, so it is that main three and then not a whole lot else has been really tried other than Smith. And I think, you know, he got a good chunk of, uh, snaps in the second half of the game against Texas. I'm not even, I don't even recall him being in, 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 in the first half, but I felt like he was, he was a lot on the field, a lot more, at least targeted a lot more in the second half. And I believe it was, it was only 19 snaps, but five targets in 19 snaps. That's a pretty good ratio there, um, for him. Uh, lose Winston, right? Unfortunate car accident. He might not play this year. He hasn't played yet. And then Ryan, Sean Ryan at Rutgers, Isaiah Esdale at Rice. 26 catches, one touchdown combined there. Didn't lose a lot, but didn't bring in a lot either. Right. Uh, the only thing else on offense. Uh, okay. There was one other one that it was in a bullet point from one person. And I just want to throw it out there. You can just give a yes or no answer if you want. You can go into more detail if you want. But more of a package for Garrett Green. I think you might see some of that now without Donaldson because they're going to have to find a way to run the ball, um, okay. especially in the goal line situation. So that might be something you got. You got a chance to scheme it up a little bit during the open week. Um, didn't think of asking, like, what happened to Jalen Anderson? Why didn't he travel? They brought three running backs to Texas. Didn't bring Anderson, didn't bring Mark Juan Rucker, who played some special teams. Um, got caught with two at the end of the game. Donaldson's out for at least one game. So I don't know if they'll if they'll incorporate Anderson. I'm not saying he'll he'll take Donaldson snaps, but they had an okay thing going with three running backs, and you clearly need a third one. But you could supplement that a little bit by having Garrett Green involved. So they have the package. I would be curious, like short yardage, red zone stuff. That might be a chance where he takes it for a spin. Okay, and only one other small thing on offense is the rotation or whatever they're trying to figure out on the right-hand side. Obviously, thrown a little bit through a loop with Jordan White um, getting hurt in that first game. Is there Should there still be a rotation to tackle? And, and this was my idea, but I didn't say which right tackle should be in or if White should be a guard and move Nestor back out to tackle. I just don't know if a rotation really works with the offensive line. It's not only that, but like if you're talking about folding white back in, you're putting him in new, a little bit rusty. I imagine he'll get a lot of practice time during, you know, these next couple of days of practice, but then you're bumping Nestor back out to tackle and he's, he's played okay at guard. I don't think there's anything wrong with his performance at guard. And then you're kind of knocking two tackles who are developing out of their development. Now, do you start Nestor at guard and let's say Hubbard at tackle bring in white at guard, I guess bump Nestor out the tackle. I don't know why you would take him off the field. It's just a lot of machinations there that I don't think they intended to do that. I think they wanted to have one, two, three, four, five being um, Milam, Gemitter, Frazier, white, Nestor, which is why they started the season that way. And they haven't been able to do it, but for two and a half quarters. And it's curious to me that white's been available for three games and has played four snaps. Um, I think that they probably see progress and again, when you think about if you assign everybody a number value, one through 10 or whatever, the combination adds up to a higher number, which means a higher ceiling with White on the sideline right now than him, a guard, and Nestor, a tackle. And you just kind of cross your fingers and hope that your right tackle play isn't so bad that you get exposed. Because that was the best, maybe sorry. the worst good answer or the best bad answer. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, because that was my next question was 
the the story we were told not it's not a story it's not like a lie or anything but we were told that after that when white got hurt in week one you know that was what he was working back from but then he came back and played four snaps against Towson and then was back out so did he get hurt a second time or did they just look at it and say no I think it's better with Nestor at guard and you know the rotation at tackle uh, that has been asked and not answered so that probably is your answer in some regard that it's maybe like where white isn't there yet. Maybe he needs the reps to catch up because again, those guys had a full week and change to practice ahead of him. But is that such a gap where all the momentum and all the, the lead, I guess that white had was lost and squander and he can't make up the deficit that created. I have a hard time believing that. So they might just be leaning into the fact that Nestor's better at right guard and they can live with right tackle. Like their best five. Now that highest sum of the parts may be with Nestor at guard and, and one of those two at tackle. And by the way, I don't I don't feel like either tackle, right tackle, talking about Hubbard and um and Yates, I don't I feel like I haven't thought about them much, which I think is a good thing, right? Like you know, they haven't done anything egregiously bad. I don't think they've done anything amazingly well, but maybe that's kind of where you are at that position and, and it's not the worst thing in the world. I just don't think either one's been terrible or I just don't know about the whole rotation thing. Um, so much of that is is a unit and communication because I think some of these some of these times that that Daniels is getting pressured is because of miscommunications more so than just a guy getting flat out beat one on one, which would be a little more concerning to me. Yeah, and they they had been, they had been good until last game, and that Texas front caused some problems. I'm sure they they would cause a lot of teams problems. Um, moving to the other side of the ball, <laughs> this is. A very interesting one that I had, you know, I asked this question on the board with my own thoughts of what I might change in my mind, but I wanted to hear what everybody else thought. And a couple people suggested it. More or less scrapping the bandit position entirely and or moving to a four man front, a traditional four man front. If they were starting the season anew, I would be okay with that. That's a dramatic Mm -hmm. change midstream. But when they've had even fronts or when they have had three linebackers out there, the the results have been pretty good. Yeah. And that band of position, you know, Jared Bartlett hasn't been healthy most of the season, much of the season, I guess. I, he played a handful of snaps again, so he might have been. I did not see him get helped off the field, but I think he played 10 snaps. Seven. Seven. Against okay, Texas, so yeah. like, I don't think. And, and Linnell Carr started. Um, Bartlett's a better player than Linnell Carr. And he, he's better at that position. He He's faster. He's more athletic. He does more things. I would assume that whatever kept Bartlett out for one game, um, trying to think, Towson game? Yes. Comes back, plays against Tech, and maybe maybe it wasn't all the way back. And he didn't start and didn't play very much. Maybe he was re-aggravated there, too. But you're, you're really thin in that position, whether it's personnel or performance now, too. I could buy into this idea. I, I would feel better starting the season doing this, but I think their defensive line depth is okay and could be getting better. And if not, the depth they have is getting stronger. I think they were not impactful, but those are good players and they're getting seven, eight in the game. Sometimes that's good. So I could see that, but again, I've liked the times that they've had, you know, Dixon, Coba and low at linebacker. I could see a world in which that works. Okay. Related. Cause I suggested this as did a couple others. Lee Coba at bandit. You've talked about that before, and I never thought of it, but when I watch him play, giving him uh, – this sounds bad – 
giving him less to do in a more narrow focus, which is go get the ball, rush the passer, tackle the running back. I think he could be very effective in that role. I felt like I saw him more in this game than I had the previous couple games. Like I felt like he was around the ball more. He certainly got more pressures. Um, his first sack of his career uh, or, or his time at West Virginia. So just seemed like he was more involved. And I, I think that's not a, it's not a bad thing. Cause he's again, I think everybody was trying to not everybody, but there were certain people trying to make those Tony fields comparisons because fields was out of position a good bit. It, but was so talented that it he kind of made up for it a lot of times. Koba gets out of position a little bit, gets the wrong fits a little bit. He's not quite as talented as Tony Fields to make up for it, but he's still pretty darn good. He's still pretty big. He's still pretty athletic. So I would be very interested to see him getting more of that bandit role because, again, this is something you and I have talked about a bunch. We were told, you know, from the very arrival of Neil Brown and this defense that the bandit and Mike – were more alike than say the bandit and a will that that the bandit and Mike were more interchangeable than any of the other two linebacker positions, but we haven't seen it that much in, in practice or like, you know, in, in a game, like it's been discussed, but not actually been fulfilled. Yes. I, uh, I took note of that many times. I, I just, I don't, their explanations to me are hard to keep up with sometimes, but I know that was the case before and that they were able to, I'm trying to think of who it was. I know they moved a, a Mike to Band at once during the game. Was it Tonkery, maybe? Maybe. Um, I know Tonkery, I think, was the one that moved the most. I know actually Lowe moved a little bit. Chandler, Samito moved a little bit. But they were both like Mike to Will kind of things and, yep. and not Mike to Bandit. Yeah. But I think Tonkery got to play a little bit, a little bit of Bandit there at the end. Mm-hmm. They were really thin, but I think that during a game he had to move over. And then he ended up sticking there, too. So there's there's ways. It's an experiment, too, but... If they're going to invest in that position, they're going to need somebody who can make plays there. And just hasn't happened with the frequency they want. And naturally, we'll finish with the secondary. Um, understandably, this was the group with the most uh, suggestions here. Lots of changes. I think some of them, they might not be a choice. It kind of seems like after the discussions on Saturday with Neil Brown uh, after his press conference, uh, you know, talking about some injuries and some different things. So a lot of people, even before that, clamoring for the young guys to get more snaps at corner, especially, and even some at safety. Um, Andrew Wilson Lamp got his the most time of his uh, young career in a game and looked decent. You know, I, I think he made a couple of big plays. I think he had a pass breakup. Um, don't really recall him getting beat. Again, he played mostly in the second half. So, Maybe Texas had pulled back just a little bit at that point, but what can West what uh, is this as a whole? Maybe we'll, I don't know how specific we'll get here, but is this something West Virginia can do? Is this something they don't have a choice but to do? And is it, as one person put, just rearranging the deck chairs of the Titanic? I I don't know what they're gonna do to be honest with you because. Like they they just kind of get beaten everything and their their problem is is they're so frantic before the snap it looks like when they see motion or a shift or you, you see a lot of people pointing and like oh goodness we saw this we talked about this let's get it in gear and then they're just not often in position enough like where they need to be um they're they're not playing man and Neil Brown spelled out that touchdowns and big plays they've given up have been against man 
and that they might feel better with you know Charles Woods in there playing man. And maybe they can do some half and half stuff or pattern matching a little bit better. I'm not sure. Um, they're they're just kind of stuck right now because I don't think you're going to ask young guys to play a lot of man, and their zone has been very forgiving. I don't know what the best idea is, Chris. I really don't. Apart from like, do you roll guys in? Do you try to find a hot hand? Do you make every week consequential? Like there's no starters. Just the entire dang depth chart is or um, like their safeties from spear to cat to free their two corners or their slot corner, however they want to do it. They, they've all been troubled at times this year, too. And it, it, you and I have talked about this. It's not for lack of search of solutions, too. They've tried people. They've moved people around. They've done different things. They've gone to different alignments, I think, to help. The, the secondary a little bit, you know, maybe get another pass rusher defensive lineman on there just to get a little bit more heat and expedite plays. Uh, they, they've churned out some ideas. They just haven't churned out results yet. Like where, where do you, where do they suggest, where do you think this goes? Yeah, I'm with you. They, that something, you know, you could give them a hard time for in the past of not actually making changes, but not this year because they have tried everybody. They have tried all sorts of different combinations. And as you noted, sometimes, Guys are looking okay for a drive or two, and then and then it falls apart. And it's not just one person. Against Texas, we talked about it in the postgame, they didn't pick on one guy. They, they picked on everybody, just kind of took turns picking on people. So it, it's it's obviously an issue that needs to be fixed all over the place. Um, and is it rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic? No, it's not It's not that bad. But it is, it is reminiscent, again, of 2012, where you just have – some older guys who are not getting it done. And so you can elect to put in the young guys. Cause again, that, that secondary, again, we talk about that being one of like the worst, like literally the worst secondary in WVU history statistically was 2012. That secondary had Carl Joseph in a feller, KJ Dillon in a feller and Terrell Chestnut, who ended up being a multi-year starter and a pretty darn good player. So, but they were all freshmen. They were all freshmen just being thrown out there to the wolves. And that's just kind of how it works sometimes. Like, I mean, it's, it's not good. Like they're, they're in this, it, I'm not excusing anything because you shouldn't be in this position. You shouldn't be having to throw freshmen out there to the wolves like this, but what else can you do? You played pretty much everybody like that. You, you feel confident in playing. So I don't know what else you can change. I mean, I think the most intriguing uh, suggestion I saw was moving Marcus Floyd over to corner um, was, you know, in all conference, all whatever corner at the FCS level, but is playing kind of that free safety spot at West Virginia. Would he be better off just being put out on an Island at corner and just being told, go play defense on your man. You know, maybe he's a guy that can play man defense out there. Um, Cause I, I, I can't even count. You brought it up a second ago. I can't even count how many times this isn't just the Floyd thing. It's several other people as well. How many times you can watch the other team going into motion and about to snap the ball. And you look over at West Virginia's defense and somebody on the second level has their head turned away from the snap, away from the play, looking back at a safety talking, trying to figure out who's going where. Saying, hey, uh, you know, am I going here? Am I covering that? You going that way? I got this guy. You got this one, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is they're saying, they're not even looking at the ball when it's being snapped. Like, I, I can, you can go back and watch the film and see so many plays where a second level defender, a third level, or a cornerback that's looking back at a safety is not looking at the ball when it is snapped. 
and you're already behind the eight ball. If that happens, you're already working from behind, obviously. I'm just thinking through my head about what else they can do. Like, they, I mean, they're not going to, I mean, they're not going to go to like a cover three defense, just strictly that, where it's one deep safety and you drop a corner and or a safety back to make it, you know, thirds of the field. Are they like, their, their problem right now is that they're in zone all the time and they're predictable. Like, if you just go to like one coverage with just a couple of things underneath that umbrella, then you're even more predictable. Um, are they good enough to vary things? Are they good enough to play man? I don't know. Like, but what they're doing isn't working and like, to come up with a personnel slash plan combination that maximizes, you know, the ability of the players, but minimizes the danger that that combination puts out in the field, especially in that defensive backfield. That's really tricky right now too, but they're, they're going to have to figure it out. They're going to find a game breaker at receiver for Baylor. They're going to see Texas tech really stress them. That's just the next two games. And then you're getting into some coaching and some offenses that are pretty good in the back end of the schedule. Yeah, and so another thing that I was thinking about, you know, because I saw something else on the board, and we just blame everything on on all you people on the message board, but asking questions about the coaches. And I think my first thought is on this secondary and the defense kind of as a whole, it's kind of wild to me that for basically three years, the defense has been outstanding and everybody has heaped praise rightfully so in my opinion on Jordan Leslie over the last couple of years for kind of holding this defense together when they had a bunch of youth some turmoil coaching changes all that stuff and the defense kept the team in it and then for once the defense is it, it is the part that's it is the side of the ball that's kind of falling apart here and now it's just throw everybody out I mean you look at these coaches and they have succeeded <coughs> excuse me with what they're doing and they have succeeded at West Virginia more than they have failed. Um, so I'm not sure I'm ready. You know, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to go. Yeah, that guy had three great years, but now he's had one bad one. So we just got to get rid of him. That that's a little different than say, you know, if if uh, offensive line had been bad five years in a row. It, like you got to have some kind of stretch of if you have a bunch of good years in a row. I think that buys you a little a little leeway if you run into a rough patch here. Now that's not to say you you got a free you know free ride for the next two years or something, but it is something to keep in mind. I think that their entire defensive staff is under contract for next season too. They were all extended last offseason. Actually, here it yeah. is for February 15, twenty twenty two, uh, written by me. Um, Leslie and the rest of the staff received new deals to stay at WVU. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Now, can they buy themselves out of that? Absolutely. But the investment there is to they, they like this group and they want to get it going on. But they're they're in the jungle right now. They're going to have to find their way out of it. Well, Mike, I hope they have answers because I think we've covered all the answers from the message board. And, and if that doesn't provide the coaching staff with the boost they need, the message board coaches. I don't know what else will help. It wasn't me this time. It wasn't you this time. That's right. We should do this more often. Should it just... feels really good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not saying the inflammatory stuff here. I'm not going to get hunted down in a hallway or pulled into a stairwell or anything like that. So it's good. I, I can arrange that if you want. I, I bet you could. <laughs> uh, all right. So lively week coming up here. Uh, basketball is back. Neil Brown. Kind of laid out some problems and solutions. 
We have coverage from both sports. Message board uh, on alert, I think, because you've seen major programs fire coaches. So everybody is kind of wondering why they are not here. Those reasons for that, too. But also there's a lot of season left to play. Um, so we play it out and we see what happens. Anything to add? No, I just about I'm glad I had my uh, mute button on because somebody just uh, bumped the WVU announces contract extension for Neil Brown thread. And and again, I can't wait to just blame everything on our message board. You guys are you guys are great and terrible all at the same time. I love you. <laughs> well, keep it going, I guess, because Chris is in a good mood. We'll do this again sometime, maybe not before too long. Until then, I'm Mike Casazzo. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you next time.